My name's Austin Fennell, and I'm going to be the moderator for today. We have two guests today, Stephen Dick, the Executive Director of Advancement, and Linda Welsh. Now, Stephen Dick um, was named Executive Director of Advancement in March of 2007. He handles all external relations for the institution, so you're really quite an appropriate person to choose for that today. That's great. Born and raised in southern Alberta. Attended uh, Lethbridge College uh, from the University of Alberta, where he served as executive director at the School of Business, where he headed up the Alberta Business Family Institute, a world-class research, teaching, and executive educational institution dedicated to family enterprise and entrepreneurship. To returning to the province, he was a successful entrepreneur himself in the technology field of Northern California and has a long history in providing business planning and corporate finance strategies to several entrepreneurial and, and mid-market companies. He holds an MBA from the University of Alberta, a Bachelor of Management from the University of Lethbridge, and diplomas from SAIT and Selkirk College. Linda, on the other hand, is an intern, and isn't that kind of fun to have an intern come be part of our program here? She's working a number of projects and initiatives and learning about organizational elements of the college as part of her PhD college, her PhD in college leadership. Stephen and Linda, welcome to you both. We're just delighted that you stepped forward and helped this morning. Please come to the podium. All right. Well, and I do want to send uh, a very uh, humble regrets from our president. Uh, she's been suffering a respiratory illness for about the last two months, and over the last uh, four days, she's given uh, about eight speeches, and she literally does not have a voice today. So um, I have sat through every one of those speeches, and I sit through every one of them every time she does give one. So I have a pretty good sense of where she wants to take this particular presentation. Um, I might add my uh, co-presenter today, Linda Welsh, uh, comes to the University of Texas Austin campus. It actually holds the Cadillac program in college, community college leadership in the United States and is also the alma mater of our president. And so Linda has been with us for the last four months and has done a tremendous job in working on some very strategic initiatives with us. And uh, she uh, works uh, directly with the, uh, the Austin Community College and is a faculty member there in early childhood development. Uh, but... Uh, is pursuing her uh, her PhD in uh, in community college leadership and does uh, certainly want to uh, expand her horizons around there. Linda actually worked on this presentation with Tracy, so uh, she's very intimate with it. Um, part of what we wanted to talk about today uh, is is really looking through a looking glass from a president's perspective. Tracy uh, has had the pleasure of working both in the American and the Canadian system, and there's some distinct differences between those two, uh, those two systems. And so my esteemed colleague here is going to help uh, bring some of the American context to our presentation today. Um, but one of the things that she wants to talk a bit about is, is the fact that colleges and universities are becoming much more than just educational institutions. They're becoming economic drivers and catalysts. And what we're finding is that the landscape of what our next generation economy uh, looks like is, or is going to look like is becoming fuzzier and fuzzier. Uh, it's becoming more difficult to predict what the next generation careers are going to look like. And um, Wayne Gretzky kind of put the, the quote uh, out there that, uh, uh, can we learn to skate to where the puck is going to be? And that really is a good example of where we sit right now. 
Technology is changing not only our careers, but the way in which we deliver our curriculum, the way in which we attract and recruit students to our institution. And it's also changing the way in which they expect a a new level of customer service uh, from us. And it's not just about uh, a professor getting at the front of the room and pontificating on their subject expertise. There is a a new pedagogy that's being developed out there around how we deliver our curriculum in the classroom. Um, What we're seeing also is that the future of post-secondary education is is changing in that um, colleges and universities um, are, are becoming far more um, closely aligned in their in their uh, their delivery. We're also seeing that there's a, a strong need for the secondary system to become a partner in that exercise, and something that hasn't happened to the uh, the development that we would like in Canada. But our uh, my, my co-presenter here will talk a little bit about what's happening in the United States and, and something that is, is starting to become a trend in Canada. What we wanted to do today, though, was, was open up with a little video uh, that I really think sets the stage for <clears throat> what we are facing as educators, uh, particularly in the post-secondary system. And so we're going to go there. <laughs> we better be able to get this. It's, uh, and, uh, and then we'll come back and spend the rest of the time talking a little bit about what this means to us. How many of you are glad you grew up in the generation you did? <laughs> All right. I kind of expected I would see a few hands up there. Um, part of the reason we showed this to you is um, this is what's spinning through our heads on a daily basis. Um, our faculty, our administration are trying to get our heads around What's happening in the digital revolution? And what you see there is it's, it's getting faster and faster on a daily basis. And so as educators, our job is to stay ahead of all of this. Well, it's very difficult as an institution to try and stay ahead of it. One of the things that we do is we focus our energy on a lot of what we call a culture of evidence now. Um, and part of that is, is focusing on what we see as trends moving forward. And we work with an academic think tank and research agency called Academica. They, uh, they poll uh, in excess of about 100,000 uh, post-secondary students on a yearly basis and provide us with all sorts of demographic and cultural and, uh, and psychographic information. And they've worked very closely with us in terms of providing us with competitor intelligence and providing us with what it exactly is that our students are going to be demanding from us. And they just recently released an emerging trends study, and uh, Ken Steele from Academica is coming to campus to spend time with our faculty and our administration in the next few weeks here um, to talk about what 2013 will look like to us. That's just four years away from today. And so one of the things that he says uh, in his most recent report was that the focus on the environment uh, is, is here to stay and that <clears throat> the need for us to look at the sustainable elements and the social responsibility and the conservation elements within our, our curriculum is, is something that needs to happen now, not um, into the future, that greening our careers uh, is something that's already taking place and has swelled so dramatically in the last number of years. And this includes not only educating them for a career, but it's also about opportunities for research. And we'll give you some examples of some of the things that are happening on our campus around this moving forward. But colleges and universities have to take the environmental issues seriously. And that's something that you're seeing seeing more and more across the United States. And in particular, 
Um, Canada is just starting to get onto this, but in the, in the United States, there's over 700 post-secondary institutions that have signed on to a presidential commitment to sustainability that requires them to create measurable targets, measurable uh, tactical plans to not only green their campuses, but green their curriculums. Um, the environment uh, <clears throat> leads us into the next piece, and that's demographics. By 2013, we expect across this country, based on the current demographic trends, both mature, uh, new immigrant, as well as our K-12 uh, uh, direct entry students, to see a 30% decline in enrollments uh, across both, both uh, college and universities. That's a dramatic decrease. And part of the, the, uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the effect of what that's going to happen is it's going to place pressures that we've probably never seen before. Um, what we're seeing is that we also have an aging workforce workforce and we have an aging population and that's going to, to create a lot more pressures on what our healthcare system um, and the other kinds of support so there's a big concern around whether the dollars are actually going to continue to be supporting uh, post-secondary to the same tune that they have been especially as our economy has has uh, gone into decline um, what we're also seeing is that uh, there is a swell of this of our youth moving into urban centers, and so that rural <clears throat> uh, rural community based uh, um, post secondary institutions, both universities and colleges, have been struggling with a decline of enrollments. In fact, the uh, across this province, every single institution that's outside of a major center has seen a substantial decline in enrollments. And part of that's also because of the competitive nature that's been put in front of. Uh, uh, the educational institutions, that students have uh, a choice that is uh, far greater than they've ever seen in, in, in a past lifetime. And they have the instant access to that choice through, uh, through our online activities today. Um, we're also seeing that the distinguishing characteristics between universities and colleges have changed. Uh, colleges are very active in applied research today, not pure research like a university would be, but a lot of commercialization of technology and excellence and innovation in new, um, <clears throat> new, uh, new technologies and new uh, uh, business opportunities are starting to emerge out of the college system that hasn't been part of our, our, uh, our, our mandate in the past. In fact, federal governments are starting to, to, to fund a lot of research that was primarily left in, in the university uh, um, mandate in, in previous generations. And what we're seeing is that colleges now offer everything from a certificate through to a degree program. Um, universities are starting to look at ways in which they can adapt and create hybrid models. Colleges and universities are starting to work much closer together than they ever have in the past. But the other thing that we're also seeing is that there is a, a need to move to a P16 model. And you'll, you probably have heard little about the P16 model, but what I might do is just turn the mic over to, uh, to Linda to tell you a bit about what's happening in the United States and how the integration of both our secondary college and university system is, is, is coming together quite nicely. Thank you, Stephen. Um, it, it's my pleasure to be here today, and I have to tell you that it, this is my last official day at the college, too, so <laughs> it's kind of uh, fun to, to be here uh, talking with you all. Um, in, in the United States, one of the things that we're seeing and um, is, is a need to align curricula across um, the, the entire educational perspective continuum, starting as early as pre-K and continuing on through um, the full university degree. So it's P16. 
What we're seeing are communities coming together to um, talk about how do we work together to ensure that the students entering moving from one system to another, that they have the competencies to succeed in that system. It's one of our big challenges is that um, at the college um, and university level is that students come in and they're very underprepared. They don't have the expectations, and so we have to do a lot of upgrading. Um, and oftentimes uh, it, it creates challenges for those students because they are not making the progress they want to make. And it also um, is a strain on the system when, you, when you're um, – facing shortages of workers, and you want, and most of those jobs require some level of, of advanced education, you want to make sure that your systems are pretty seamless and that um, folks are moving through the system. In Texas, we have an initiative um, to increase the number of college-going students, and, and we have some very high targets set. So part of that has to come through partnerships and increased um, alignment across systems. I guess the other piece that, that, that's of interest to us is we know that the Aboriginal population is the fastest growing population in our country. Um, we see a number of our, our, I would say one in ten of our students at the college now comes from a First Nations, Métis, or an Inuit background. Um, what we find is that the completion rates and the retention issues that we struggle with um, require a, a whole new set of services, um, a whole new set of services that didn't exist before that uh, were often uh, provided by community agencies, but now are an expe expectation on our campus. We have a disabilities uh, service office that didn't exist before. We're looking at the establishment of an international center on our campus that would provide those international students with access to the, some of the basic services of how to even set up a bank account when they come to this country. Just to give you an idea, we have uh, about 400 uh, international students that attend our college every year. We, we have about 35 languages that are spoken on our campus. To give you a perspective, seven years ago we had seven international students. That's changing rapidly. Today we have 250 business students living in China um, enrolled in our program. And so the, just with a very, within a very short time frame, our international exposure has uh, grown tremendously. And we're playing catch-up to get uh, to a point where we feel that we have uh, not only our heads wrapped around where international is heading, but more importantly, making sure that we provide the services and, and the, uh, the, the, the skill development that they need to be successful in their careers. We don't see labor shortages going away for long. We've seen a downturn in our economy, but that is not going to stop the, the, uh, the ongoing need for skilled uh, technicians, skilled technologists, and skilled trades. Um, what we're seeing is that, uh, and what the, the uh, Canadian Federation of Independent Business is telling us now is that for every uh, university grad, they need six additional college grads to help support their business moving forward. And that's quite significant. Um, that what they're looking for is they're looking for more short-term, immediate responses to their, their economic and, and industry needs. Got to escape first. There we go. We're also seeing the rise of social media. How many of you have Facebook accounts? All right, hey, that's pretty good. How many of you know what my uh, second life is? Any, anybody got an avatar? You have an avatar. Excellent, excellent. Um, 
the, the rise of social media, and you saw that in the video, um, if I was to poll a, a group of students and we did at our convocation, how many are actually living on Twitter, living on Facebook, MySpace, uh, um, Second Life, um, the entire room would put their hands up. Uh, how many of them live off their cell phones today? And the fact that our, 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 our instructors are now using cell phone, BlackBerry, and iPod technology as part of their classroom delivery of curriculum. Um, they're putting their textbooks onto their iPods now uh, rather than having them buy a physical book anymore. So it's changing the way not only in, in, in how we deliver our, our curriculum in the classroom and it's creating some unique opportunities, but we have an, uh, a workforce uh, and, a, and a faculty that did not grow up with this. Uh, they, they were immigrants into the technology and digital revolution. So it's creating some very interesting uh, challenges for us. Um, we're also in the, in the process of going through a complete overhaul of our website. We did one two years ago. Um, we now have to make another investment somewhere to the tune of about $300,000 to get to Web 3.0 when 2.0 was just on our doorstep less than 18 months ago. And so what's, what's changing is the, the fact that students are demanding um, immediate return on their investment, immediate r response to their inquiries that our, our counselors and our recruiters are now having to p not pick up a phone anymore but to log on to a blog, um, to answer an email, to um, respond to a Twitter uh, uh, <laughs> account. I'm not even on Twitter yet. So, um, But what we're seeing is that that online connectivity and that networking piece is something that is absolutely critical to the future success of post-secondary. Um, rising parental involvement. You've heard of helicopter parents? None of you are, of course. So. But th there's a new kind. We call them Blackhawk parents. Um, these, are, these are parents that talk to their students or talk to their children at least once a day. Um, that they, the, the, the old generation sent them off to school and we'll see you at Christmas and we'll see you at Easter. It's not the case anymore. They are very uh, intimately involved, not only in choosing their, their child's education path with them, but also monitoring their progress and can do it online now. Um, they, they get sent their report cards and their grades and all sorts of information that help them to manage their, their, their child's uh, post-secondary experience. And it's happening in the K-12 system as well. I just want to make one comment. And this is also happening in, for employers, like parents have expectations to be involved in interviews and that sort of thing. So, so we're seeing a real shift in, in the, the students that we have. In fact, we have a parental website that's getting developed alongside our, our student website. Um, <clears throat> just the last thing I wanted to point out is the heightened accountability that's taking place. Uh, we've just launched a tool called iStrategies that now gives every single faculty and staff member uh, access to very rigorous data that allows them to make decisions around their jobs. Uh, five years ago, that was completely non-existent. But the level of accountability of post-secondary in any public service organization is increasing, and particularly because resources are becoming scarcer and scarcer, and the expectations is that we deliver more and more without the additional resources in place. We're also seeing a lot more greater involvement of government. Government is actually stepping back into our realm and wanting to participate in the governance of our institutions and, in some cases, the management of our institutions. They're imposing uh, all sorts of things like eCampus and Adams, and these are tools that provide um, uh, uh, collective portals for students to access our programming. Just hit that one. 
right there. Again, we're seeing a decrease in government funding because um, that, yes, three minutes, we're moving fast then. All right. Uh, and I talked about some of these things already. I think one of the big things that's really important to highlight is that we need community partnerships more than we've ever had in the past. And that means we need to become far more integrated with our K-12 system. We need to work alongside agencies in our community uh, to help provide those additional supports and mechanisms to make sure our, our, our students are successful. Um, you can keep heading. Um, we're also looking to find more ways to create articulation because this starts to break down the, some of the natural barriers that exist between post-secondary institutions, particularly colleges and universities. And what we're finding is that students will not accept the fact that they've got to go back and take another six or seven courses that they've already completed at another institution. They want seamless transfer between these institutions, and government is starting to demand it now. Um, we're also looking at prior learning assessment. Many of our students come to us in a mature capacity. And so we're, <clears throat> we need to start to recognize the fact that they already have skills. They already have education. They have accreditations from industry that mean something to our industry and, and, and to, to the credentials that we're, we're awarding them. Um, so we're looking at those kinds of external validations and bringing industry to the table in a far greater way than we ever have in the past to help design and update our curriculum on an ongoing basis. Um, <clears throat> I think I've talked about some of this already. Uh, some of the things that we do see, though, is that our academic programming needs to become just in time. Uh, we have hybrids of both the distance delivery and on-campus delivery and full off-campus delivery now. Many people don't want to leave their jobs. Many of them come with families and other obligations, and they simply can't take time away to commit two or four years to a, to a program. And uh, <clears throat> we have to continue to develop their soft skills. We've learned as a college, we've tend to be, be, have been in the applied science business rather than uh, looking at some of the critical thinking pieces. And you'll see that with applied research and, and the enhanced learning opportunities that our students, students are engaged in, that employers are demanding that. They're looking for those managerial and those human resources and those financial management skills on top of those technical skills. And I think we're almost out of time. But um, there's lots of ways, and I think I covered that, that we can, we can attack this. Um, what, what's most important is we need to get out there and start to educate um, our community members. We need to understand the needs of employers. We need to understand where that puck is, is headed because um, that's the biggest and most difficult question for us. And the constant investment that we have to make back in to this system so that by 2013 we found new opportunities to bring students to our campus that may be coming from a completely different part of this world. We will always still serve this marketplace and that's where about 70% of our students come from. But the remaining 30, and that's a continuing growing trend, come from other parts of this country and other parts of this world. So happy to answer any questions after we have lunch and I hope I stuck to my timeline there, Austin. All right. Okay.